the Tenuous Links podcast, home of the Golf Barons. Offering bloviated opinions on all things golf, discussing the game's biggest problems and some solutions to them as loosely as possible. Come add some swagger to your swing. Grow the game. Whether this be a catch cry marketing hashtag or genuine mission can be up for debate. But what is beyond dispute is that golf will be a better game if its mix of players keeps heading towards being reflective of the broader community, be that all abilities or in the case of today's guest, women. But what is the golf experience for someone taking up the game as part of that minority? Is it as intimidating or welcoming as we think? And what can golf do so that when someone tries it out, no matter who they are, it sticks? Or rather than guess, as is my traditional want, I figured it might help to ask. Introducing our very first Uber Baron. We know her as the Knight. Uh, welcome to Tenuous Links, Francis Sheen. Thank you. That was such a welcome. How's that for an intro? Oh, that's the best one I've ever had. Probably the only one I've <laughs> ever had, but the, the best. Well, you're very, you're very welcome, and you've been an important part of the Golf Baron's journey. So quite rightly, you um, suggested when we spoke to the work experience kid um, a, a couple of weeks ago, you suggested, now that would be an interesting conversation to have from a, a, a woman's perspective. And I agreed, and hence the invitation was extended, and away we go. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, who the hell are you? <laughs> Just for our listeners. <laughs> Pump yourself up. Drop some names. Uh, I am. Uh, I work in TV at Foxtel. Um, but before that, my whole career was based in magazine publishing, and I've worked probably on every uh, successful magazine title from smash hits um, to probably every single weekly in Australia. And then about four years ago, I realised that magazines possibly weren't the powerhouses that they used to be um, and sidestepped my way into TV, where I now work at Foxtel on the Lifestyle and the Arena Channel, working on uh, shows like, I work on Real Housewives of Melbourne and uh, Selling Houses Australia, Gogglebox, um, and I've just finished working on Great Australian Bake Off. So it's kind of producing content is what I've done my whole career. I've just switched from doing it in print to doing it on telly. It's a very long answer to a very short question. Um, but we, there were no name dropping in there, which is disappointing oh. because normally by this stage someone's dropped in. Okay, I can drop. Me- I once spent a week in Bangkok with the Spice Girls. How's that? <laughs> uh, and I've interviewed probably. Uh, I've interviewed Robbie Williams. Like I, I interviewed every single boy band back in the day. And then I interviewed the Spice Girls a lot and then realised that in the, the time that they'd been created, become millionaires and left the business, I was still doing the same job. And that was a, a kick up the bum to say, do something different <laughs> now because you're not a millionaire and you're not world famous. So I, I left that. But did that name drop here enough? For you. That wasn't bad. I think Kipper would be has been put back in his place. We've had a very good string of name drops of late, and I think the the Spice Girls, the Robbie Williams one, that, that will get most. Um, so well done. You've moved up Thank the you. charts. Thank you. I actually did used to do some stories with Greg Norman as well when I was in the Weekly Magazine, but um, never spoke to him. Just his wife. Uh, just a man walking his dog, as we like to refer to Mr. <laughs> Norman. Indeed. But but now that's a perfect segue. So well done. You have done this before because we're here to talk about golf and your journey in, in golf and its influence on on your life and everything else um, from from a different perspective. And it 
but continuing to get it from a newer player's perspective because there's things that we take for granted and, as I say, rather than guess um, which is our way, let's find out. So why golf? How did it move initially as an idea and how did it move through to, to playing? And we'll do it in a little bit. So was it amazing marketing? Or what was the influence that you know, I'd love say... to have a great story for you here, but I think it was a Mother's Day gift. There was probably a special on for five lessons at Moor Park Golf, which is near where I live, and I got given that for Mother's Day. And I do actually remember when I turned up for my first lesson, there were four of us in the first lesson, and they went round the, the group and asked us why we were here. And the girl next to me said, oh, my mum's retired and golf's her passion and I want to spend so much time with her doing what she loves. And then it came to me and I thought, I should have probably stolen your story or thought about this a bit more because I actually don't have a story. Um, I got given lessons with a friend of mine and on the morning she phoned up and said, nah, golf's for old men and it's boring. Let's go for a coffee and a walk instead. And I said, ah, no, I'm going to try it. I'll see what happens. So I went along. Um, and did my four beginners lessons and then one playing lesson with the fifth and then that was it. We were out on our own for forever. So when the it's an important one. So so someone bails out. So this is a sport you've never tried and potentially never thought about? I mean, has it ever had it crossed your mind? Well, no, not really. I don't know anyone that plays golf. None of my family play golf. None of my friends play golf. Um, I had the perception of golf as, it was a bit of a crusty old sport. I, I probably knew a couple of people vaguely who played it, um, but there was nothing really enticing or appealing about it, to be honest, other than I was given this gift and I thought, I'm going to take this up. But when I got there, um, and I think Moore Park, um, which is a public golf course in Sydney, is very set up for, uh, was just starting kind of introducing women to golf. And as soon as I got there, the instructor was incredibly welcoming and um, it was kind of all set up to be very friendly and every kind of myth that I think I had about golf at that point, he quickly um, popped by saying, I know what you think, this is going to be walking around with old men in bad shorts and I know what you think, you're going to, you know, you're going to just be practising doing the same thing over and over again. And he went through every kind of myth and, and, and then off we went and from, probably from lesson two, I reckon, I was I was kind of hooked uh, into it, and then, as I say, I've never never really stopped. And that was a it went from the myth of being old men in bad shorts to young men in bad shorts, and that made it all the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, there we go. Cop that marketing. Um. So how long? So so we understand that that you you said yes straight away because you just wanted to to try it, but then. To move from range to golf course, I know you had the playing lesson, and I think this is this is important. How was your how were your nerves the first time you booked, you turned up and you teed off? Can you talk us through your very first well it, it, outside I, the playing lesson in the in the actual playing lesson? There were four of us, and two of the ladies who were with us didn't speak great um, English. I don't know where they were from, but they had all the gear. I found out later they had two and a half thousand dollar clubs and they were peeling off the plastic as they pulled them out of the bag. And um, the instructor at one point pulled me to one side and said, you need to keep your language a bit a bit better because you're swearing more than and you don't even know you're doing it. So, so we kind of finished. He did the first six holes with us, I think, and then we carried on on our own. And we were absolutely because we didn't know anything about the etiquette. We knew how to hold a club, and we knew 
vaguely how to hit it. But we didn't know, and, and some may say we still don't, know exactly etiquette and how you behave on the course and how you, you ask people to play through. None of that was really explained at the time. We just had to learn as we went on. So when that lesson finished and we had to book our, our first um, game ourselves, and it was me and a, a girl I met on the, on, on the, um, on the lessons called Kelly, we, she said, I will if you will. Do you want to try and we'll just do nine holes? And I was like, yeah, okay. And we literally just rocked up and said, do you know where we start? And do you know where we stand? And we, ju it, we just kind of felt our way through. It, it had felt a very organic journey, um, our, our golf journey, not one in which we've had an instructor help us the whole way through. We've, um, we've, we've definitely found our own way a lot of the time. And is that something that was a gap that you lamented saying, gee, I wish someone would tell us where to go? Or were both of you in that mindset of let's find out what this game is to us, not necessarily what is it to someone else? Did you see that as a positive or a negative? Um, I think it was – I mean, the thing, that, the thing I think that we still have, and we've been playing now for I think about three years, is that golf to us is almost childlike in its fun, is that we barely, properly belly laugh every time we go out on the course, normally at – you know each other or at something we've met the weirdest strangest people through golf or we've come across them through golf and every time we've ever asked anyone for help there's been this, there's kind of some weird story attached to it they've been strange you know it, it's never quite um gone as we as we would have wanted it to so i think we we just have just felt our way through it and quite enjoyed that journey, if you like. We haven't, it hasn't felt crusty and staid and boring because we have not made it like that and we just do our own thing. Half the time, as we often find out, it's wrong. But we have learned an awful lot along the way to the point now where we're okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I'll give us, we're okay. <laughs> Yes, that, that's right. It, it's okay. So it's okay to feel self-conscious. You, you now feel free. So you walk up onto a first tee and you put the ball in the ground. Um, if, you, if you use a tee, um, you know, I don't want to you know, <laughs> suggest that, what your method is. But do you still feel after three years of playing, when you're about to hit your first shot of the day, do you still feel people looking at me or is it now just, let's just go, I don't care? That's a really good question. I would say we, we only play public courses um, because we're kind of get, <laughs> we we just only play public courses, and so I think that we now no longer care. If you asked me that question and I was playing a really nice golf course, then I probably would say a completely different answer. But the courses that we regularly play, we feel very comfortable playing at now. I do use a tee, and I do feel I do know now that when I 90% of the time when I hit it, it will go in the direction that I want it to go in. Whereas at the beginning, it was a lottery wherever I've sliced it, hit the golf buggy, you know, shouted for behind me. Like it's been a, it's been a real learning curve of that. But now I think we're at the point where we, or I can put my, my ball on a tee and know roughly how far I'm going to hit it, which direction it's going to go. And ideally it won't go in the trees. Um, and that's quite a big leap from where we where we started off, where we felt very uh, if, stupid a lot of the time. And was that a was that the feeling of stupid and incompetence? I'm out of depth. Oh I yeah. Mean, how do you describe that? Hundred percent. Yeah. We're all every game. I mean, I still every game. I think I probably say I should have taken up tennis 
because I have this, you know, I want to, and I don't know if proper golfers have that or whether when you're a beginner golfer, at some point that magically disappears. Um, but I, 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 I feel a lot of the time that my golf is, I'm on a wing and a prayer a lot of the time, but it's getting easier and easier. Or I, maybe I don't care as much whether I mess up. Maybe that's the difference. I'm not getting better, but I feel better about it. Um, now, you used a, a terminology there, which was interesting, in, in proper golfer. So what, what is your perception of what a proper golfer is as opposed to you and this Phantom Kelly, who we'll, t- we'll touch on a little bit, <laughs> a little bit as we go? Um, so what's a proper golfer? A proper golfer is somebody who's probably played a lot longer than three years, who uh, who grew up with the game. I think that there's um, people that kind of have played the game since their teens or twenties just uh, instinctively know a lot more than 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 we do, and it just shows in the, in their swagger as they walk onto the the first tee or the way that they behave in the clubhouse or the way that they set themselves up on the first tee of the first hole. There's, we don't necessarily have that. And I, I don't class myself as a proper golfer because I just don't think that we have that, you know, that swagger, as you would probably term it. To, to own the tee, to know yeah. that you're in control. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and I don't think that's because I'm a woman. I think it's genuinely because um, I'm still learning and I'm new at it and I don't know enough about it to class myself as a proper golfer. And I think that's a really critical point um, that you've made earlier is this has got nothing to do with gender. No. <laughs> this has got to do with learning a game and being feeling out of your depth versus someone else. So so there are plenty of women, plenty of girls walk onto the first tee and own it. Plenty of men walk onto the first tee and look genuinely shit scared of what is about to occur. And all of it, though, is done with an element of smiling um, amusement and done in in the right spirit which which leads to my next question about this public versus private perception because public golf is under a lot of pressure um in australia at the moment and and around the world in reality and there's plenty of um it's probably not the right term but i do call them water walkers who would like uh, golf courses turned back into beautifully manicured parkland all with the grass all cut to three millimeters and all the rest of it your perception of though of private versus public golf you said that you can get away with it at a public golf course but you don't feel that you'd be able to at a nice private club what what is that well I think I I live um within easy walking distance of the lake the Australian and Bonnie Doon like I literally within five minutes I can be in any of those golf never played them but I can I can be there but I also live near a, a, a course called East Lake and to me, I feel much more comfortable going into the car park of East Lakes than the long winding drive to get into the Australian or, or whatever. But I think that in a public course, if you're a bit um, rubbish, then that's the given. And, and, and it, the point isn't lost on me that the whole point of having a handicap in golf is so that I could play someone who plays off two, right? But the fact is that I would never suggest a game to anyone who plays off two or three or four or five because the expectation and the weight of golf is that those people deserve to play at the nice clubs, the private clubs, and the people like me should be playing on the um, on the public courses. That's nothing to do with them. That's nothing to do with 
it's to do with the expectation that I feel around golf. I still feel that I, until I get to a certain point, and maybe I'm not that far off where I would feel comfortable walking on to, you know, the first tee at the lake. But I do definitely feel at the moment that on a public course, if I make numerous mistakes, if I lose the first two balls off the first tee, all is forgiven. I don't think I would feel that if I stepped up to St. Michael's and did that. So why do you think Shooter feels so comfortable standing on the first tee of golf courses all around Australia, knowing that he's about to carve two balls into the trees? Because I think there might be this element, and it's interesting, this self-perception um, of the way things are um, versus the way, and we talk about the intimidation factor of a private club, is that maybe, and this is something that, that work experience kid Aaron spoke about, is that you look from the outside in and you think it's big bad wolf standing at the gate you know, what are you doing here? Do you have a right to be here? So how do you think you would go? You get an invitation in the mail to come and play Royal Sydney. Let's say someone called Anthony invites you for a game at Royal Sydney being reciprocal with the National. Do you say yes? I would say yes. Um, I would say yes now, but that's probably only in the last two months. And that's nothing to do with whoever's asked me. That's to do with the fact that I would actually feel... Um, my, I think they're like in the last six months and maybe because of lockdown and I've been doing a lot more, um, you know, practicing at home or whatever, but I do feel that my game has kind of, has got better, organically got better. Um, I still, I only play once a week. I don't play any, any more than that, but I make it, I make sure that I regularly play once a week. And so I think that I, if he, if, anybody asked me to play the Australian would I play yes I would but I wouldn't have said that maybe three months ago it's literally just changed something has just changed in my game where I feel a bit more confident and do you think that's an important step to t- I mean is it is it a step sorry that is important for you to take do you think on the golf journey just so that you've got a taste of both sides yeah. and you break down another barrier yeah well I think I've got two aims in golf first is um I think the national average for women, the handicap is 26.5. My aim is to get under that, is to sit around the, the high 20s, the late teens. Um, that's that's aim number one. Aim number two is this mythical person um, will say, hey, we've got a, you know, a game at St Michael's on Saturday. What about it? And I would go, absolutely, I'd love to, and play well and consistently well and feel that I was good enough to be there and doing the course justice. I played um, a club called, a course called the uh, the Coast, which is kind of half public, half private. And the views were, you know, amazing, astonishing. And I would love to try, you know, I'd love to play Cape Wickham. I'd love to play all these clubs that I've heard a lot about, but have never until this, till recently felt worthy enough that I would do them justice, I guess. And I think, and I don't want to speak on behalf of all new women golfers, but I do think a lot of women golfers feel that I've I've met, you know, that I, they are the same same as me, that they would feel exactly the same. And is that um, because they're worried about people looking down on them, men looking down on them in a traditional sense, or just self being purely self conscious? Look, I think that there is a certain. Um, in, in my experience, I'm going to preface this by saying there is a certain type of golfing man of, of a certain age and a certain demeanour 
um, who feels very comfortable commenting on a woman's game and not, not nothing um, untoward or dodgy about that, but will give us unsolicited advice all the time, all the time. The younger players, the young 20-somethings, never do it. They're perfectly pleasant, really chatty. It's a great chat with them when you see them on the course. It tends to be men of the older um, demographic who feel that they, you know, they would never probably do, say the same to a man who's been learning for four years, but they feel very comfortable telling us exactly where we're maybe going wrong, we're using the wrong club. Um, you know, we, we've been I've been told before that I don't play good golf. You know, really very, very um, honest things, which at the beginning did used to kind of rattle me because I thought these are the people who have played golf all their lives. They know exactly what they're talking about. And they're telling me that I'm using the wrong club when maybe I am, maybe I should change my club. Now, I, I wouldn't and I don't listen to them. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to say I'm, I'm good, but thank you very much for your input and walk away. Um, that has not always been the case. These are all my hard-hitting questions you're taking out of my um, oh, out of my playbook because we're going to go back and revisit a few of these things. Um, but the last one I wanted to to make was a course with a view. So you mentioned um, playing the coast, mm. um, and the first time you'd played a, a genuine coastal golf course because everything else you'd played yeah. was not miles inland, but no. but is a little bit inland. But you sensed the water. Yeah. When you first played a golf course that had views to match the game that you've fallen in love with, how did that make you feel? And if you had to play someone the rest of your life, are you going to play somewhere with a view? Yes, 100, 110%, definitely. Like it was a very different um, experience because um, I think when you play, when I play at Moore Park or Willoware or Canterbury or all of which are great golf courses, you don't take in the view. You don't take in what you're doing. You're very focused on your game and you're very focused on what you're doing and what your next shot is going to be and you don't want to hit it there, you don't want to hit it there. I remember um, when I played the coast and I kind of rounded a corner and being genuinely like, oh, my God, you know, this is amazing. And then someone said, oh, yeah, that's St. Michael's. If you join St. Michael's, you get this view the entire way through. And I was, you know, it was, it was, it was a very different golf game to... You know, you just stand there and you take in the view for a second, whereas, you know, if I'm playing more park, my head is down and off I go. And that's not because I haven't got great views because it does, but you just kind of yeah. get into it. I need to keep going and I need to keep the, the, the game going, not I need to stop and think, wow, how this is amazing. Yeah, it's an important, again, all of these things add up to the journey. And this is the point because I've taken that all for granted. I remember the first time, again, that I played somewhere, you could actually see something interesting. Um, which probably was playing at Cape Shank when I was 14 or 15 down on the, the coast and wondering how long this had been going on and why they'd kept it secret from me but was so glad that my other experience had all been inland, surrounded by bush and trees. Because See, but now miss... would you play a public course? That's a very, very good question. Moving on. <laughs> no, um, no, I think the, I think the public course, of course I would, and I think the public course thing is an interesting one where you, part of me, in the journey, gee, that's a really good question. Along the way, and I'm going to stop using the word journey, you you feel like you've broken out of public course mode and you've broken into private course mode. The reality is if you want to really have fun and relax and feel like the gloves are off a little bit more, you have more flexibility to be able to do that in the perceived public course environment than you do in the private course environment until you're out of view of the clubhouse. 
So right. there is that decorum. I'm still worried about what's going on. But then, you know, you get things introduced to you like the Stones ginger wine on every par three and all these other elements and you make your own, yeah, it's not, it's okay. You know, it, it, it warms the cockles of your heart more than yeah. your stomach. <laughs> but just that idea of little rituals can exist and you, you build these things out. But there is no question that when I'm within eyesight of the clubhouse, I probably start to comply more. Not that I'm doing donuts when I'm out of range, mm. but that's that's the difference. Whereas at a public course, you just don't feel that same perception. That said, when was the last public course that I played when we go away playing golf along the Murray, so up at Yarrawonga and all the rest of it, whereas there's a beautiful public golf course just been redone in Melbourne called Sandringham or Sandy Links that our fine friends at OCM um, course design have, have redone right next to Royal Melbourne as a mini Royal Melbourne, and I'm desperate to play it. Mm. And I haven't been desperate to play a public golf course, like a genuinely public golf course, for 25 years. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm kind of in the ghettos of golf. I'm keeping it real on the streets. And you're, <laughs> you're in the... You're the Ali G of <laughs> golf. Uh, is that what you're going to claim? <laughs> I just can't afford to play at a nice club. That's, that's the difference. That's right. We all have a time and a place for whatever is required. But the next thing, speaking of Ali G of golf, the importance of a wingman or a wing chick or just another golf person. How important was it to have a wingman? And sorry, Kelly, if that's derogatory. A wing to, to share with what you're discovering about the game. Um, really important. I don't know that I would have carried on at some point um, unless Kelly had uh, really encouraged me to do so um, because there's a kind of a healthy competition between us. And, um, so healthier for some than others? <laughs> yes. Uh, but, which is, is actually probably now um, not as important as it used to be because um, it only just occurred to me fairly recently that the game I'm playing, somebody once said to me, you're not playing against her, you're playing with her. And, um, and I didn't really understand that at the time. But now I definitely do because now my, I, I played at the weekend and my game was all about what if I change this bit of the game to do that, then my drive will go further. And it wasn't so much about, well, she's done that in five and I've done that in four or whatever. It was more about I wanted to get the best score that I could. And that, again, is a very recent addition to the game. But but playing uh, with somebody who's, who's, I guess, outlook to the game and who is as, as new and wide-eyed as I was at the time was really important because, we, uh, you know, I said earlier, we met uh, at Moore Park, a, a steady stream of weird individuals. Um, and every week we would turn up and say, we're going to meet. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know who we're going to see. And sure enough, somebody would pop up out of the car park. The bush. It, it just is just this kind of, you, you know, I, I properly belly laugh every time I play because half the time, it's not the it, that's not the game that we thought we were buying into, and it's been a, such a lovely surprise that you can have so much fun doing it. Um, you know, I think we're both pretty competitive people, uh, but the 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 actual camaraderie we have of turning up every you know at the moment we're doing something where for the six weeks we make a commitment that we play every single week, whereas before we've been a bit oh we'll do it in two weeks we'll do it in three weeks. This is our six weeks of you cannot cancel, and if you do, 
you, you would have to be have lost your leg or something to cancel and, it, and it's kind of a nice little thing that we've set ourselves that that we're enjoying really really enjoying and even were you to have lost a leg really you should play i mean there is no excuses in this game i could strap a something on and just kind of shuffle out onto the course prosthetics i mean we've proven <laughs> that you can play golf on one leg if you need to or if you're sean backer you can play golf on one leg or one leg and a prosthetic because he's just a legend um and we'll talk a little bit more about kelly because i've got these things which i'm calling other key topics of discussion should ask golf clothes oh, yeah. now um what would you do here's a hypothetical what would you do if your playing partner turned up in a sweater that looked like a christmas sweater and it had golf written on the front of it. I never have golf written on We'd the front. We'd have no idea what to do with that. No idea. Tell her to take <laughs> it off and never wear it again. Would she listen? No. Was there advice offered? You spoke about uh, older males being open to offer advice to you at, at the drop of a hat. Do uh, two um, women tend to offer each other fashion advice as well? I as we do because she does have. Uh, sorry, Kelly, not that. Uh, she knows I'm even doing this, but um, uh, she doesn't have. If there's a bad jumper to be bought in somewhere in the world with the word golf on it, Kelly will find it and buy it. It's embarrassing, and it has been commented on many, many times by other golfers on the course. <laughs> yeah. As part of the advice, another <laughs> another fashion question I've got for you because this has been a bugbear of mine. Should anyone? Ever wear black shoes and black socks with shorts? No. Is that what you wear? <laughs> okay, I'll just. <laughs> that's fine. So, if a club were to ban you from wearing black shoes and socks with shorts, would you have an issue with that club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this is this something going on in your life that I don't know? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. It's a long story, but the right the right people listening will know exactly oh, what okay. I'm referring to. Now, what does egg cartons mean? Um, this is kind of one of the weird, strange people that we've met along our journey with golf is that we um we once met a man in I think it was Woolaware Golf Club who um popped out from behind a tree and said that he wanted to give me a present and to which you know <laughs> it wasn't Rolf Harris was it <laughs> it's not not a question I get um you know a statement I get asked every day so I kind of walked over and he had a golf um had a an egg carton and as I walked towards him he opened the egg box up and he had gone around the course I believe and just found loads of golf balls and had uh, tw- he gave me 12 golf balls in an egg carton and said that he would be there every week and I should just come up to him and he would hand me um, egg cartons full of golf balls I did take them because I needed the balls but I've never seen them since so clearly I didn't wasn't Grateful enough for him to <laughs> were they free range or were they caged? <laughs> they were actually pretty good. I think he gave me. The, he said he got the. He graded them in, and he said, "Oh, I've got you a nice, a nice uh, box." And so I simply took it and, and walked away. Um, it was just one of the weirder characters, which didn't give them to Kelly, whole- didn't give them to my friend, but did did to me. That's because she was wearing a shit-out sweater with golf written on the front. There's a whole Seinfeld episode about about that, um, Elaine. Um, so in terms of you spoke about these etiquette things um, and the idea of being played through versus someone forcing their way through. Because I remember you 
yeah. you had an experience with Kelly where you actually contacted us the next week saying, what what normally happens here? Well, it, it's one of those things where there was a group of um, four men um, behind us. Um, and I'm going to say they, they're sort of late 40s, early 50s. They had a couple of beers with them. They were really enjoying life. Um, Sunday afternoon and um, uh, we were really slow. And so we stopped. And they were playing up very, very close, almost playing with us. As soon as we teed off, they would tee off. It was, it was, uh, and it was pretty, I, I'm not great under pressure. And so I felt that every time we teed off, even if they weren't commenting, they were kind of commenting to each other. I'm sure they probably weren't, but that's how I felt. And um, they were playing so close that we said, do you want to play through? And they said, no, no, we're all right. We're fine. You, you guys carry on. And uh, we were like, no, 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 please play through. We're going to be a while. We're not very good. And they just wouldn't play through. And so we had this awkward situation. I think in the end, we skipped a hole to try and get rid of them. But they just kept playing up. And, you know, every single time we played a hole, they played with us. And I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure at the time of the etiquette. I'm still not really sure what the etiquette is. What do you what do you say? What do you do? other than get a bit shouty and a bit sweary at them, which probably wouldn't have worked because they were perfectly pleasant, perfectly nice, not saying anything else, doing anything else, but it really put us off our game and kind of ruined the Sunday afternoon of golf. I don't know what we should have done, but we just carried on regardless. Um, which which is a shame because we were the same. Like, what would you have done? Well, if it was, if it was the same thing and it was a group of males playing through another group of males, inevitably – the law of the jungle says that someone's going to say something stupid and then things are going to get ugly. But but you'd like to think that these things, these little barriers, and it didn't – so it's only happened once, though, is that – Yeah, we. I mean, we've we've also had – like I, I played um, – I think we played, I want to say, Jeringong or somewhere down south in Sydney. And, uh, like, I know I'm, – I'm pretty short and I know what I can hit. And so – it was, a, it was a par three and I got my driver out and the guy behind me said, um, you don't want to play with the driver on this par, it's a par three, that's not good golf. You want to play, you want to, you know, use, um, use an iron. And I said, oh, no, no, I, I, I know what I can hit. I'm, I'm not a long hit. I honestly, this is good for me. And he said, no, 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 it's not good golf. I'm telling you, <laughs> you never use a driver on a par three. That it, you, you don't just whack a ball. You have to learn the nuances of the game. And so I stood my ground, said, "No, no, no, no. I'm going. I know what I'm capable of." And thank the Lord, it landed on the green. Because had it not, had it gone way over, then I would have been very embarrassed. But it didn't. It went on the green. Uh, I think I messed the rest of it up. But it, that ball actually went onto the green. And as we walked down towards the, the green, I said to Kelly, he would never have said that to another man. He would never have, have dared to say to another man, you're using the wrong club. That's not good golf. That's, that's really bad. Um, and now I think uh, I would probably would have handled, I would handle it in a bit of a different way if it ever happened again. Um, and I, I, my language would be a bit more um, colourful than it was at the time. But it, it is really unnerving when you're learning that kind of new, you're, you're new, that new to the game and people are commenting to the point where they're telling you what you're doing is not good. Uh, um, which is a shame that it exists, but, <clears throat> but I think no you, one would you tell can you always that, take a leaf they? out No of... one would say, Phil, that's not the right club to use. Um, not once ever. 
And I think this is the importance of this discussion is maybe if there's one person who listens to this of the three um, and they say, maybe next time I just won't say, I can think it, but maybe I just won't offer unwarranted advice. Unless yeah, advice and it would have been, have you said, can I give you a tip? I probably would have said, yeah, yeah, go on. I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. I, I'm, I need to learn. But it was the manner, I guess, in which it was delivered that was a bit stinging rather than what he was saying. And was he right? Probably. But I know that I can only really drive 120, 140 metres. So, you know, it's not. It, so can I. But he wasn't <laughs> He wasn't right because you hit it on the green. And this is the point. It's not how, it's how many. So as Shooter McGavin would have turned to his caddy and gone, well, you're fired. Mm. Um Look, you just, it's that, it's interesting that it happens. And I think you're right, is that would it ever, ever happened? It's never happened to me. I don't know anyone else that it's ever happened to that are a male. Mm. So just the fact that, oh, because you're, you're a female, you're playing our game. And that's, that's sort of the essence of what we're trying to get at today is how much of this, and we'll touch on it a little bit later, how much of this is a, is a, a gender-based um, thing of, well, you know, this is my house. You're, you're in my house, so you'll do and take on board what I say. Now, what about the importance of a car park gin and tonic? <laughs> How important is a debrief post round? Very, very important. That's that's <laughs> the that's almost the like I think there's a you know I I've got um, children and there's th- there's three hours in the, in the day because um, uh, Kelly and I really only play nine holes. We, we don't really play eighteen, but um, at the end of the game we will always. Um, have a drink um, and if the clubhouse isn't open then we will have a drink in the car park because that feels part of the ritual I know you mentioned rituals before but that feels part of the ritual of golf that you talk about well actually we don't really talk about golf afterwards but there is a lot of chat afterwards about um, anything to do with anything and the fact that I think we are at the same level and aren't intimidated by each other or each other's opinions mean that we can be very blunt and honest about each other's games during those sessions as well. Do you offer each other advice as you go? Would oh, you ever say, Kelly, you can't be hitting a wedge here. You need a seven on. I would say 30 times a game. What club would you use here? <laughs> um, oh, you would ask though, would you? But would you unsolicited uh, say to Kelly... No, probably not now. Maybe at the beginning. Um, but when that's, you were trying that's to beat also it. something that we've only just, or I've only just discovered, is that you you can use any club at any point in the game. So you don't have to just use your sand wedge in the sand. You can use it, and that was kind of a bit of a revelation to me because um, actually on Saturday I played and um, I. I hit the ball and it didn't go in the air. It just went along the ground. And I said something. And, and one of the people that I was with said, that, that, that's a great shot. It's gone exactly where you wanted it to go just because it didn't go in the air and just because it wasn't textbook doesn't mean it's not good. And that was like a kind of like a light bulb moment of, oh, yeah, like it doesn't have to be. I think when you're not a golfer and you're looking at golf from outside, you think golf is a million different things. And it's actually not. It can just be really good fun. You don't have to get caught up in all the technical. I don't really know what different different lofts make, or you know, I don't know exactly how far I hit the ball, and I don't pay attention to a lot of the rules that I probably should do. Um, but yet, and at the same time, I still have a really good time playing golf. 
if I was to play with you and your friends, I think you'd probably be horrified at how basic my game is when you, you know, like to debate and talk about whatever it is that, you know, you talk about. It's very, very technical. I, I, I don't do that. Well, there's two points to that. One, I don't have any friends. But two, I think we'd all probably be jealous of the fact that we overcomplicate yes, the game it sometimes. Is, yes, yes. I can listen to your podcast and have no idea what's going on. <laughs> wow. That, what an interesting guest you've been. Anyway, As in, but I think you're, if you, you're talking about a game and, and dissecting it to the level that I'm incredulous that this is the same, we actually play the same game. And it's funny is that while we're talking about it, we're saying, thank goodness we're not as technical as these other five podcasts. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. it's just, I, I'm sure maybe I'll get to that point. Maybe I'm just on this section of my Don't. journey. But the other idea just, just on that about golf can be played through the air or golf can be played along the ground. So there are there is not just one way. As Bruce Lee said, there is no way but way. There is no limitation but limitation. You 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 can play – golf however you want and Seve one of the greats of all time who's almost everyone's hero played golf so many different ways Lee Trevino played golf so many different ways it's whatever works but you say that and yet would you rock up to I don't know uh, Cape Shank and 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 just do whatever you use three clubs only just because you could or just because you wanted to or do you kind of fit the the mould because there's a, there's a weight and a sense of expectation around it. Now, I can tell from that question you didn't listen to the podcast that I did I did because you said you uh, used Wager. five clubs only and I then changed that to three clubs only. So. Well, I used four. Oh. Um, because I, And I used four because I could but also because I didn't want to take the plastic off the others because I also <laughs> love new stuff. Um, but you can, you, you literally can do it. You can play off the furthest back tees or the furthest front tees. Um, that's an interesting point in that a number of times with a mutual friend of ours, um, we've played off the very furthest back tee that you can um, at three or four golf courses, of which I was victorious, but um, but we've never gone to the furthest forward tee and played the same game. And that's there's an interesting psychological thing that exists there, and I have no idea what it is because I only just worked out how to say psychological. Um, what do you love or what excites you most about playing golf? When someone says, or when Kelly says, oh, I can't wait for golf on the weekend, what are you most looking forward to? That it is 100% all mine. That there's, I, As I said, I have no one in my life that plays golf. I don't know anyone apart from Kelly who I've met through the game. I don't really know anyone else who plays golf. And so I can put my phone in the bag and it will stay there for the three, four hours that we're out playing golf and that I know it will be fun that it, even if it's not fun, you'll look back and say it was fun at the time when I'm saying I want to take up tennis or this is the last time I'm ever playing golf, this is the last time you'll ever see me because I'm never playing golf again, et cetera, et cetera. It is still all part of the experience that I love um, and no one else in my life does it. No, 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 you know. And I did actually try and take my eldest daughter um, to play with me because I thought she might enjoy it. Um, she was incredibly good at it, but didn't enjoy it at all. So it uh, has never, never come back. But that, that's it. It's just, it's just my thing. And there's something, like I play, um, God, it's meant to be social netball. It's not social netball. It's um, very, very 
aggressive, aggressive, nasty netball. <laughs> and uh, I don't get half as much pleasure as I do from just going out and playing golf and just enjoying being outside, enjoying chatting to someone. There's a real sense of joy to it that I don't get from anything else. That, what, what a great point. Now, Ben Hogan once said that a well-hit golf shot is a feeling that goes up the shaft right through your hands and into your heart. How would you describe a perfectly hit golf shot? It just sounds – someone said it sound, it's like slicing butter, and it is. It, you just feel – like Kelly and I have this saying where we try and find something positive about every shot that you play. So even if you slice it, you'll say, well, it, it sounded good. Or, you know, well, it went in the right direction, even if it goes half a metre in, in, in front of you. But there's something, that kind of feeling where you swing and you know exactly that it's, it's, it's going to be the great shot. And that, that feeling, even though it may only happen to me once a game, if I'm lucky, is addictive enough that you want to come back as a beginner for more because you hit one great shot and you're back in it. You want to you want to throw the clubs in the river, but then that happens, and you're like, oh no no no, I'm I'm good. I'm going to keep playing this game. That's you know that is that that's exactly what it feels like. Like slicing butter, that noise, everything is just in the sweet spot, and it all just works out. And for me, that's usually when I drive. Everything else, not so great, but that is that's my moment where I really enjoy playing. How close have you come to quitting? Oh, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be week, I think. Um, <laughs> every week I, I, I threaten to. Um, I haven't because I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly uh, competitive person, I would say, and I don't, I'm not going to let this game beat me. I want to be able to, this mythical person who's going to turn around and say, on Saturday you will play at the Australian um, I want to be ready and I want to be available and, and to step onto the first tee and and do okay. I don't even want to, you know, my, my aim in this is never to play off scratch or to be the best woman golfer or to win women's competitions. Um, it is really just to be consistently good that in, if I'm put in any situation, I'll be absolutely fine with it. So a couple of questions about um, the game itself what does golf do well and what can it do better so it's got this goal uh, quite rightly of, of uh, trying to get more women and girls into the game um, as well as all abilities but what does golf do well and what can golf do a better job of um i think as a woman golfer that it, there's, a, there's a lot of box ticking that goes on so maybe a club will waive its joining fees and then say well here you go. Women are are inclusive. We are we are open for women, but it's it's such that that's just ticking boxes because a lot of women don't want to play golf because they feel really intimidated about going there and walking into a man's game, walking into a man's world. And I think when you get there and you realise that the men are just full of it and they've overcomplicated a game which is basically really simple then it demystifies a lot of it so golf sort of overcomplicates itself really really well but it it needs to 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 attract these women to attract more women the, the way the way i kind of think of it is um remember uh years ago when um 
uh, called Barefoot Bowls was only for old people and had these amazing courses. And then some bright spark had the idea of taking shoes off and making barefoot bowls and playing loud music and everyone went there and got drunk. That's kind of what golf needs to do because it doesn't make itself inclusive. That It does that incredi- incredibly badly. Like some, some of the things that are aimed at women could be deemed to be a little bit patronising when they do like bubbles and balls and you go along and you have a glass of champagne and you hit. Women aren't going to show up and play golf because of that. They're going to go show up and play golf because they have a really good time playing golf, playing the game, not just, you know, wearing a pink T-shirt when they do it. Yeah, so it's this contrast, and this is the biggest challenge, I think. It's this contrast of marketing and justification of a marketing position versus selling what golf is good at, which is just being awesome. And and something that Shooter's very strong on, and we both are, is is that people get to discover the awesomeness of the game, um, which is the hitting and the missing and the giggling and being handed egg cartons full of golf balls. Um, having people play through aggressively or not play through. I mean, it's all these elements that all yeah. come in that make them storyable, if that is a new marketing term that I've just created, um, whereby you're sitting in the car park at the end of every round having a gin and tonic. Yeah. Talking about a couple of weird things that happen and not necessarily the shots you hit. And that is what I think golf needs to market itself as rather than we need women are a good revenue stream we need women let's let's try and get some it's kind of the wrong way around it needs to be this is a great game and women more women should play because more women would enjoy it and at the moment i think it's it's definitely missing that that chain that link in the chain when you get there you're going to have a great time you just don't know it uh, yes, it's the best kept secret, but it can't be kept secret anymore if we want it. Yeah, and you, to men, grow. you, so you we, spent years mystifying it, making it all sound, oh, it's our secret club, <laughs> oh, it's so secretive, and we're so good at it. it actually, it's not. It, it's just, or yes, it's, it's just, just awesome. Cool. So I'm just going to go through a few myths, and then I've got something, um, a final big question. Golf is so golf is too intimidating. Myth or truth? Uh, it was, it, it is less so now for me. But yes, it, it, it can be. Like I had a case on Saturday where the person, one of the people I was playing with said, uh, you'll, give, you'll give me a gimme on, on that, right? And I didn't want to because I thought it was too far away from the hole. And, and then <laughs> what, what do you do with that situation? Like it, 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 just, it just overcomplicated itself. You do what they did in the Ryder Cup and you look at the cameras and you lay your putter down in there and you start to sook and cry and complain to the crowd because I'm sure there was a crowd watching you. (laughs) Um, It's been demonstrated at a highly professional level exactly what you do when you're crying about asking for a gimme or expecting one. Um, People never expect to be given a putt. Just hold the bloody thing and move on. That's what (laughs) golf is. Um, Next one, uh, and this is for our retailing friends, the golf retailers are are also very intimidating for a new, new player. Myth or reality? Um, reality, although I do think that women's golf clothing is changing, but women's golf clothing either tends to be for an older generation um, or it's, uh, it, it, well, actually, there's no either. It tends to be for an older generation. So there's very few um, clothing labels out there that do golf wear really well. 
um, unless you want to wear kind of knee length dresses or baggy knee length shorts. And um, I think it's changing. I definitely think, I think Adidas have got a, a really, is Adidas one of your sponsors? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They do a really good women's range now. But um, yeah, I thought you, you were going to say do not mention Adidas for some reason then, but you did. No, 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 no. We don't, well, that, that's the whole point. We don't, we don't care bias is irrelevant to us. Um, I'm not sure whether they do a three-coloured sweater with golf written across the front, but I think we can probably move on from that now. <laughs> Kelly, um, what about dress codes? Are they a turn-off and need to be relaxed? A, a dress code something that would prevent you from playing golf? I play in the mean streets of a public course. So it doesn't really matter what you wear. Yeah. But I do know that you can't – like somebody I know went to play the Australian a couple of weeks ago and he had to buy new socks because he couldn't wear – he had to wear bright white socks. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, it just doesn't make any um, any sense whatsoever. Yet you should not wear black socks and black – so the black <laughs> socks, black shoes with shorts is more fashion advice than whether you should be allowed to wear it at a <laughs> private course. It's just you shouldn't be allowed to wear it anywhere. Is that what you're saying? Probably, yes. Um, what about the last one, which is golf – should have a goal of mirroring the demographics of society. Should golf aim to be 50-50 male, female, well, 52 female, 48 male? Should it aim to be 15% all abilities um, as, as a goal? Do you think that's a realistic goal for a, a game to have? Uh, look, I think it's, it, it, it's a very um, – it's like any sport. If women want to play, they should. I don't think it matters whether it's 50-50 or – it doesn't really seem to me that it, that that that's important in the in the world in which I live. Whether there's if I walk onto a golf course, whether there's fifty percent women or fifty percent men, it's just whether women feel that they can actually do it if they want to. Excellent answer. Now this brings us to my last big question for you. Is this about the wiggles? So, given everything no. we've discussed and the awesomeness of the game of golf, sell me golf. You stand up in a room and there's 150 people of whatever gender. I don't care. Sell golf to them, sell golf to me and self golf, sell golf to our listeners. I think that golf is and should be a real um, – uh, it, it's easy for golf to become your passion because it is 110% all about yourself when you're playing. Um and there's no other sport that I can think of where you are only really reliant on yourself. And it is the most simplistic game and a little tiny ball has to go into a little hole. And yet, uh, the, the, we, as I say, we overcomplicate it. But if you want a, uh, it's one of those ones, it's, a, it, it's a, what is it, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Like it will be one of those, those games like chess where you can constantly self-improve. And I do that all the time when I'm watching um, videos. Like I watched a video the other day because I always keep saying to people I can't hit far because I'm going massively off the point now and I'm sorry, but um, I can't hit very far because I'm only five foot two. And then I found out that Brooke Henderson is five foot four and that kind of scuppered that whole theory. And so I watched video after video of Brooke Henderson and how she drives and she just puts her feet wider apart. So I tried that and it worked. And I think with golf, that's all you ever strive to do is to find that one secret that suddenly will change your game and make you good. And there is a real um, 
I'm going to use the word journey, so don't don't get cranky. But there is a real journey in that, a personal journey that you can go on and and find real pleasure in just learning and learning and learning and learning as you go. Um, and you're not in competition with anyone else, just yourself and a little number on the bottom of a card. I don't think they would have bought into golf with that explanation, but it, it, it is but the truth. on that fabulous sales pitch, knight in shooting armour we will bring <laughs> Terrible this, we will bring this tenuous links podcast to a close so the knight in shooting armour francis sheen thanks for your time uh, and your thoughts and welcome to golf um the key seems to be to give golf a go behind it's sometimes exclusive or stuffy facade is a game ready to embrace everyone who wants to play now remember to go to golfbarons.com to subscribe so you don't miss an update as well as to read our awesome barons life golf and lifestyle magazine and a reminder that you can still catch season one and two of our show on KO and Foxtel on demand. How's that for a plug? And until next time, Barons, add some swaggity a swing. <laughs>